What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I know things have been a little slow on this feed lately, uh, and I have no excuses, but I do have a good reason. I've been working hard on written in stone, climbing's most important ascents. So if you haven't listened to that right after this conversation, you should go do that. Check it out. Other updates I'll be giving you in the future, but I do want to just jump into this conversation. It's an important one. It's with Jeremy Rancic. He is a, a friend of mine and the vice president of the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition. And I wanted to talk with Jeremy because just recently a new property in and around the Red River Gorge, a large property with a lot of potential climbing, has come up for bid. And the coalition is looking for help, help from us, the climbers. So I talked with Jeremy about the history of the coalition, what it is the coalition does, and how in this situation and in general, we can help the coalition and other organizations make sure that we have access to our existing climbing as well as new climbing like this property that's up for bid. All right, let's get into it. Well, man, uh, number one, I'm glad you're still getting out while doing this kind of work. Uh, you know, I've known a lot of people in your position and it's it's hard, almost invisible for a lot of the time work. So so before we even start, I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're getting out and thanks. climbing. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um can we just start with like what is the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition? I think that especially new climbers um, may not know what these organizations are that that are sort of they've popped up all over the country at this point, um, and I'm sure there you know more people understand it, but I bet there are a lot of people who don't. So tell me what the coalition is. Yeah, so the coalition has been around since 1996 and was formed really as an advocacy group. So back in the mid-90s, most of the climbing in Red River Gorge existed on Forest Service property. Yeah. And the U.S. Forest Service, when the sort of advent of sport climbing came about and the ability to sink bolts in the wall to create rock climbs that would otherwise be unclimbable, uh, didn't really quite know how to handle that. and the speed at with which that new rock climbing development was happening was something that the Forest Service had an issue with. So the coalition was founded to be an advocacy group. But over time, it became apparent that the way, at least in Red River Gorge area, to protect and secure climbing was going to be a little bit different than other parts of the country. Uh, out west, it's it's more focused on working with land managers, uh, property owners, the U.S. government, state entities. But in Red River Gorge, climbers found rock climbing on, on private property and um, 
you know, when that happened, the the focus of the coalition went from advocacy with the Forest Service to, oh, how do we have advocacy with local landowners? And that turned into outright ownership eventually of property. So today's coalition uh, still has that advocacy focus. So focusing on uh, rock climbing advocacy and working with the U.S. Forest Service in the area primarily. But we now own 1,100 acres and three separate preserves that are dedicated to uh, open public access, access for rock climbing and conservation of that property. Yeah, I think that's amazing, especially, you know, I was around when the coalition was founded um, and I was a pretty vocal opponent to the coalition because I was a young idiot and and Shannon Stewart Smith, who was one of the the founders, really approached me with patience, which she did not have to do. Um, and I did not deserve <laughs> at all. Uh, but she, she said, Hey, can we meet at a crag? And I would love to walk you around and talk to you about, you know, the problems the forest service has and these rules that we're trying to play within and what we can do about it. And for some reason, she thought I was intelligent enough to to grasp it, and she walked me around and and really changed my mind. Like in in the space of an hour, she really brought me around to the idea that we need these coalitions, especially if we want rock climbing to continue. Like you said, as it was blowing up and sport climbing mm-hmm. was exploding, mm-hmm. it became it became this real issue for a lot of the landowners, whether those were government or, or private property. And, you know, back then in Kentucky, private property was a dangerous proposition um, to, to go on. So, mm-hmm. uh, so having a group like the, the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition to, to speak with those landowners or those land managers and, and try to get something uh, secured is a real win for the climbing community. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a fair amount of progress made with the forest service yeah. uh, early on. And I think I want to be very clear. We have a good relationship with the forest service. We signed an, a, a new memorandum of understanding with them in 2019, which reaffirmed our dedication to working with them to, support rock climbing where it exists already and keep the window open for, or the door open for uh, new opportunities. That said, they have a massive amount of responsibility for the property that they, they, they're managing and it's going to be a slow process. So that is not something that we've uh, abandoned and it's something we've actually doubled down on. And if you will, with that, that newer memorandum of understanding, but it's a slow process, and we know that. And we know you, it's 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 a challenge with the Forest Service. And again, this is nothing against them, but um, even things like employee turnover. You know, mm-hmm. we work with somebody for several years; they get a promotion, and now we need to reintroduce the new person in in, in charge to, to who we are, yeah. what why we're there, and what's important. So yeah, build a whole new relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I live in Wyoming now. Um, You know, I've moved away from the red and out here, it's all like you already alluded to. It's it's almost all BLM and Forest Service land Um, and pretty wide open land out here. It's totally different in 
the red and then the southeast in general, uh, because there are so many landowners that go back so far, it's hard to track down who owns what pieces of land. Um, talk to me a little bit about the sort of some of those challenges of all of this private property and and how to navigate it. Yeah, yeah, that is, um, it's really interesting down there um, having, I'm going to jump right into the weeds on to give you an example, but if you were looking at a, at a piece of property and trying to understand who owns it, even if you identified the landowner, the deeds that are written down there might be from a tree with an X scratched in it, right. you know, <laughs> along the cliff line to, a you know, John Smith's farmhouse that doesn't exist anymore, you know, right. to a, a P scratched in a boulder, you know, so the idea of understanding property boundaries is really difficult. One of the other really unique things is that Kentucky and Texas hold something very similar in mm. that there's this whole mineral extraction history and that is still still ongoing that is part of the land ownership uh, issues there. And what I mean by that is there's coal and oil extraction that's happened historically yeah. in Kentucky. And it, it were time periods of boom for places like Lee County where our properties are located and then also resulted in um, some pretty you know, challenging economic environments when the boom sort of busted there. Getting back to the property though and ownership and who owns what, you know, the, the mineral rights in, on the properties in Kentucky were almost all severed hundreds of years ago uh, in the 1800s or earlier sometimes. And as a result, there's this competing interest between the surface owners and the mineral rights owners and then the oil extraction or, or mineral extraction operations. And that has some uh, original foundations for the coalition because when climbers started looking south from the northern part of the gorge where the U.S. Forest Service property was onto some private properties, there was there were competing interests. There were landowners, yeah. surface owners, there were mineral rights owners, and then the, the oil operators and rock climbers all of a sudden showing up and, you know, mineral rights extractors, you know, the oil companies wondering, well, who the heck are these rock climbers and what are they doing here? And are they a, a threat or are they, you know, what, what's going on there? So that's some of the unique stuff in the Southeast. You know, it's understanding who owns what and then the separation of mineral rights versus surface rights and the uh, sort of trying to find some cohabitation with uh, mineral rights extraction companies. Yeah, and I, I guess that led to the the coalition slogan, and I don't know if it still is, but it used to be this idea of if we own it, they can't close it. Yeah, you're exactly right, and it's it sounds a little confrontational, but yeah. I think at the time that was what was needed to like sort of jumpstart people think about things a little differently. And Jeremy, at the time, I liked confrontational, so <laughs> not yeah. that I don't like it now, but but at the time, that was my whole identity was confrontational. Um, so I actually really appreciated that about the coalition was it was like we're we're here to to fight for you and and your interests in this like pool of interests where there are where there's tourism and property owners and timber and and oil and gas and all of these things competing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think we still feel that today. And, you know, 
the, the coalition has made multiple land acquisitions. The first back in 2004 with what is called the Pendergrass Murray Recreational Preserve. Uh, but we didn't stop there. Interestingly, you know, the, the original strategy with the coalition, which we are still following, was to try to secure permanent access to existing climbing. So wherever climbers had successfully been able to climb, uh, let's go let's go make sure we secure that. And that's still really important. And there are, there are several crags locations that are on private property that haven't been permanently secured. We're, still, we're working on those things and have been for years. But interesting, the coalition took a, an additional step in, in 2013 and actually bought property that was mostly undeveloped. Now, there were obviously some some existing climbs there, but that was a new that was a new avenue. And that was the Miller Fork property. Yeah, exactly. Miller Fork Recreational Preserve. Again, there were some some existing climbing, but not much. And a, a large amount of new climbing was developed as a result of that. And that was a big challenge both from should the coalition do this to how do we do this and mistakes were made along the way but ultimately i think we have an amazing new climbing resource as a result of the <laughs> it's going to sound corny but the bravery of the coalition at the time to take that kind of step yeah to buy yeah. something that was unproven yeah totally and i imagine there's you know there have to be other organizations involved in a lot of these things. Um, so, so how are you taking the steps to purchase this, these properties? They aren't cheap. Um, it's not something that you can just do a fundraiser and all of a sudden we have enough money to buy these properties that cost millions of dollars. So yeah, um, uh, who else is, is coming in to help here? Well, from, from day one, uh, the access fund has been there from the, the, the foundation of the coalition, early conversations about advocacy with the Forest Service involved the Access Fund, and they provided both advice and financial support as we worked through working with the Forest Service. When the initial purchase of the Murray property happened, the coalition struggled for several years to come up with the funding uh, to, to pay the, the Murray family, and we refinanced that purchase through the Access Fund's loan program. Uh, and that became a model for us. We did that in for Miller Fork. We did that again for Bald Rock, which is which provides the access to uh, the Motherlode, uh, Bear's Den, Chocolate Factory. Some really, you know, two of those being really, really world famous crags, if you will, at least on the sport climbing scene. So the access fund number one. Obviously, we've already talked about the Forest Service, but you know, we're obviously working with them. But beyond that, you know, it's private land landowners. I mean the the coalition wouldn't have been able to have ongoing access to what is the PMRP if members of the coalition had not reached out to the Murray family and and negotiated that that access prior to the purchase. You know that yeah. So yeah. that you know reaching out to landowners is 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 important. So those they are partners, if you will, in all of this. When we look bigger than that, though, we are, we're we're involved with the. Beattyville and Lee County Tourism, Wolf County Tourism Boards, and making connections there. We've also worked with, you know, folks like um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources, Kentucky Natural Lands Trust has has been a resource for us. And even working on some current projects, we've we've made some connections with the Nature Conservancy and the Conservation Fund. So uh, we've been working with some pretty big. Uh, nonprofits and public entities that are focused on preserving and conserving um, recreational and 
uh, environmental conservation. So that's that's cool to hear that there are a bunch of conservation groups and you know, including tourism groups um, getting involved in this sort of acquisition is the wrong word, but but the you know trying to help climbers have a place to safely be able to go and climb and and this is where my like confrontational leanings don't work because I, I would never be able to partner with all of these other groups because they're going to look at my confrontational nature and be like, uh, no, we're going to, we're going to step away from that guy. Unlike what Shannon did back in the day mm -hmm. when she said, mm -hmm. maybe I can talk to this idiot and, and bring him around. So I think that's really, it's really fantastic that all these groups are able to work together to try to make these things happen. Yeah. And if you think if you think about part of our mission statement is securing open public access to, to climbing, but conservation of the environment on the lands where we climb, that's an important part of what we do, too. Sure. An example of that that has come back to be beneficial and maybe we'll chat about it later, but was we worked with the Kentucky Waterways Alliance and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and identified a threatened species of fish that existed on our property. The, they came and, and did some research and, you know, identified the fish and mm. uh, it's, the, it's the Kentucky arrow darter. And, and so that's really neat that we were able to make that connection. Um, and that had nothing to do with climbing. It was, it was about, hey, this threatened species is on our property how do we connect with the folks who are protecting that species? You know, so it's, it's beyond just climbing access. It's also saying, Hey, let's recognize that we need to conserve the environment where we're climbing. And I, I want to make one quick distinction on that. And, and for us, there's a little bit of a distinction between preservation and conservation. Mm. It's really hard to preserve something and for humans to exist there. Right. So I think the recipe that works is this idea of conservation versus just preservation. Preservation is hard if humans are ever going to just you know be on the land, but conservation is something we can work towards and make work. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, when I started climbing, it was not because I wanted to be in the outdoors and I wanted to conserve the, the natural environment. You know, it was, it was because I wanted to be an athlete and, and I came from a gymnastics and skateboarding background where I was like, you know, cement the whole world. Mm -hmm. But through climbing, I've, I've gained a love of the outdoors. And, and I think that a lot of climbers probably fall into that that same line, especially as gyms become, you know, more and more the norm um, and climbers coming into climbing through the gyms. So that sort of brings up this idea of preservation versus conservation sort of brings up the idea, do we, do we need more climbing? Like why is protecting this access and conserving these lands important should we i mean do we need more climbing especially in a place like the red river gorge where there's tons of it already that's a great question and uh selfishly i like rock climbing and <laughs> climbers like rock climbing so from a rock climber's perspective more climbing is better than less climbing um but but from the bigger picture and your real question is like why should we be trying to expand the footprint of climbing and I think there's a couple of reasons. Climbing really has grown and it's growing rapidly. I mean, the yeah. the amount of people coming from 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 gyms right now, the 
exposure because of the Olympics that climbing has gotten has really led to uh, a really large number of people coming out and climbing. And any given weekend, we can have overcrowding issues at the Crags and Red River Gorge. So adding additional climbing certainly would disperse folks could result in potentially lower overuse issues. I think part of it also, too, is if you go back to our mission statement, open public access, in our mind, that means free. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're never going to charge for access to our property. And as climbing develops, dollar signs are, are popping up around, around climbing. And it's important for the coalition to try to secure open public access. And one of the fears that we have that we want to try to mitigate is commercial monetization relative to actual access. Mm. You know, I, I don't have blinders on. I realize that some development has to happen, whether that's cabins or infrastructure and things like that. That's, that's just what will happen. But I don't want to see, and the coalition doesn't want to see, you know, pay to play, pay to climb kind of things happening. Right, right. So that's another big reason. I'll also say, you know, as someone who was climbing in the red in the in the early to mid 90s, all the way into the 2010s, there's certainly a like the areas that the coalition has purchased um the the pieces of that that initially i would have thought oh i don't want those things i want climbing to feel a little more wild mm -hmm. but the like the infrastructure in terms of uh, parking lots and uh restrooms and well-groomed trails uh that that go you know, the, the most logical way instead of us just tramping through the woods and 12 different people taking 12 different paths to the, to the cliff, all of that infrastructure does lead to a better experience. Um, especially if you're out there specifically for the climbing, which I was. Um, so I think that's a big boon as well to having these groups saying, Here's more climbing. We own this climbing, so it's never going to get closed. It's free, and we're making it a really nice experience for you. Yeah, the stewardship aspect is important and, and something that the coalition has been focusing on. And, and that was a debate. I mean, I know there were a lot of folks who wanted to say, hey, this should just feel wild. We don't want the infrastructure. But the reality is if the number of people visiting surpasses a certain threshold, You've got to have the infrastructure or you have yeah. degradation. That's, again, where we've partnered with the Access Fund a lot uh, is on that stewardship initiative, doing trail work. We've had their their trail crews out multiple mm -hmm. times. We've gotten multiple grants over the years from a variety of organizations to enhance our infrastructure. And one of the things that the coalition is focused on with its opening up some newer crags was trying to get them in an appropriate shape before they got announced to the public. So when the public gets there, it's not, okay, now we need to go out and fix it. We've gotten it to a, a reasonable state ahead of time. And that's that's been a little bit of a newer model uh, for the coalition. Generally, it was go secure the climbing after it's been developed. Now it's, okay, let's make sure we also have the infrastructure in place. Yeah. And I, I have to think that that's a a more agreeable model as well to the, to the landowners around Kentucky. You know, there's a lot of family history and pride that that's in place there. And 
for someone to come on their land and and develop climbing and then ask for permission later and say, you know, we'd like to make this a nice experience. Uh, that's a little less genuine than, mm-hmm. than someone coming in ahead of time and saying, Hey, here's what we want to do. Let's work to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So we agree that we need more climbing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, especially in this model. Like if, if we can own it, I really like the idea of more climbing is better. Mm-hmm. So there's this Ashland property that's, that's up for sale. It's up for bid right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about that. It sort of made a little splash on Instagram asking for big donors and partners to come in and help. So tell me a little bit about the history of that property. Yeah. So Ashland Inc. is a uh, publicly traded global diversified chemical company, but their history was as Ashland Oil, Ashland Exploration focused on oil uh, extraction in, in, in Lee County as part of their business model. And obviously, they were bigger than just Lee County, but that was a big piece of it. They actually purchased, I believe, a company called Southwestern Petroleum, which, which had aggregated this 3,000 plus acre tract of land over um, what's called like the big sinking oil field in Mm. in that that part of Kentucky. And that oil operation had been going on for, you know, over a hundred years. In the mid seventies, you know, Ashland was doing its operations, but eventually started to wind it down and Ashland reframed itself as a company more recently in the last 10 or 15 years to be out of the oil business and more in just diversified chemicals. As they made that shift, they took around the, the, the around 2,800 acres that they currently still have and signed a memorandum of understanding with the uh, Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife resources that to have them manage it as a wildlife uh, management area open to hiking, hunting, fishing. Um, Interestingly, not specific to Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources, but to this property, Ashland in that MOU had written in no rock climbing. Mm. I think I think it was about liability concerns, not necessarily sure. you know something against rock climbers. But yeah, we are a litigious society after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ashland over the last few years has been you know, removing oil equipment and, and doing cleanup and through word of mouth with local climbers, which is another aspect I didn't mention it. Part of the outreach is just the local climbers in the community getting wind of what's going on with property owners and property. And that's, that's we got wind that Ashland's cleaning this property up with the intention of a sale. And the coalition has been working on this for over a year and a half, maybe a little bit more than that. And very early on brought the access fund in and we looked at this and said, how do we get ahead of this? How do we get ahead mm-hmm. of a bid? And through through the access fund, we made connections with the Nature Conservancy and the Conservation Fund and had several several meetings. And actually, we, we put together a memorandum of understanding and sent a letter of intent off to Ashland Corporate asking for some meetings to make an offer on the property before it went out to bid. Unfortunately, Ashland, you know, saw the letter, but um, felt like the bid process was going to be more appropriate for for what they needed to do. And and I can't judge them for that. They it's a public company. They've got shareholders. Yeah. 
I don't want to put words in their mouth because I didn't, they didn't say this specifically, but I got a feeling that you got to maximize your value for your shareholders, that sort of yeah, thing. Of so, course. you know, we made a lot of progress and, and had some uh, good phone calls with Ashwin, but ultimately the property is now out to bid. And the challenge I see there is um, property valuations have just been going up and up and up in the area because of the recognition of the recreational value and what that means from you know cabin development as an as an an example and 2800 acres could fetch a very high number from a developer a, a high dollar value from a developer and coalition has said okay if if we're bidding a, if we were going to have to bid against somebody of that size maybe we need to try to bring in some bigger partners and the, some of those the nonprofits we worked with to be clear are big partners and and have the money available Ultimately, though, they need a takeout partner. They need somebody like the coalition or the state or the federal government to to, to ultimately own the land. And mm. while this property has certain areas that are very important to be preserved from an environmental perspective, the broader piece doesn't quite have the attraction that some other areas of the, the country right now might have. Yeah, this I think it's fascinating, this piece of... If Ashland puts it up for bid and developers are are coming in to develop uh, cabins and uh, that sort of tourism piece, it's obviously going to raise the price um, by mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, 25 years ago, that sort of property might have been seen as not as valuable once the mineral rights were were used up or once the, mm-hmm. you know, the mineral extraction was done. So that raises the price for the coalition. So I'm sure that's where something like the access funds, you know, their loan program comes into to play here in trying to secure these types of areas. Mm-hmm. That's, that's correct. Um, we've looked at, so if I look, if we look at this, we're going to work to try to make a bid for the entire property. Sure. And the only the only way we can do that is with partners. So I don't want to be like, hey, this has to be, quote, preserved. I'll go back to the idea of conservation. How do we, if development's going to happen, how do we do it in a way that is congruent with the environment as opposed to abusive or, or, or something else? Um, so the coalition is going to work to make a bid with some partners. Uh, we've already got a few people lined up, but we're interested in anybody who might be willing to participate in respectful or responsible development as it fits in with the environment. We're also going to make bids and have already made a bid for specific tracks. So we know where the best climbing and some environmental resources need to be protected. And we're making we're going to make bids on our own for that. And you're going to say, okay, well how did you how are you coming up with funds for that? We paid off Bald Rock and that was our last land purchase. And we've had a few years since that was done. So we've been able mm. to have a, several successful Rocktoberfests. And we've got, we've, got a, we've got our own internal land acquisition fund, if, we, if you will, that we've built up. So that, that's, that's one piece that we'll use. We have had a very successful conversation with uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and they have committed to assist us in purchasing one specific tract where the Kentucky arrow darter is um, lives and that, that threatened species. So that's another funding source that we were able to uh, negotiate fairly quickly. 
from this call to action that we've had, as well as just other interested parties. We have several private individuals who have offered low interest loans to the coalition of pretty sizable amounts. And that's mm. the first time that that's happened. Wow. And I think that, that that's really neat to me to see. It's sort of the evolution of climbing. You know, back in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, climbers were dirtbags. And there were a lot of young climbers. And some of those climbers went on to, to have a real career and yeah. make money. And they're looking back fondly on what rock climbing meant to them or still means to them. And are going to are putting their money where their mouth is on some of that stuff, which is not something that was possible when climbing was in its infancy, you know? So we yeah. have, we, we have climbers who have quote made it, if you will, who are willing to give back. So that's another, another source. And the, the access fund loan program is something that we'll look to utilize. I think one of the, the issue we've got Chris with this is we can make as many bids as we want, but Ashland has to say yes. Right. And how do we how do we get them to say yes? And if I were in Ashland's shoes and I look at the situation, am I going to want to carve off out of 2,800 acres? Let's say there's 30 individual parcels with these deeds that are written poor, poorly, <laughs> if you will. You know, do they want to deal with that yeah, or do they want to sell to one one entity and let them you know, deal with that? So I think that's where we're looking uh, for additional partners or folks who would be interested in in helping us make this large bid, and and we're open to responsible developers. We're open to climbers who might want to have their own founders plot, if you will. You know, I mean, we're open to all ideas. We just want to make sure that whatever shape that takes is congruent with our mission statement and our values. That's a really interesting part of it. I hadn't considered is the like. If there's a climber developer out there who wants to come in and work with you all and the other organizations involved to, you know, to develop some piece of it, that's an option. Mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of room for creative options here uh, rather than just um, give us your money. Correct. Correct. And I think, to be honest, the give us your money option is is lofty. You know, if we're talking. I don't want to get into t to specifics, but we're talking millions of dollars, millions and millions to, to buy the, the whole tract. And um, I don't know that that's the best use of climber funds, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of this property that's just wooded property. So cre a creative solution is what's required here. And we're looking at the big picture with this, not just um, specific crags, if you will. Yeah, and so the bid that's up now has a window that is closing. I think it's, you know, probably around 30 days remaining right now. Yeah, that's right. When this goes out, there'll probably be 25 days or something like that remaining. Even if you don't make that bid window, that doesn't mean that all options are lost. That's that's 100% correct. If I I see multiple potential outcomes. Um, I see Ashland potentially being willing to carve off a couple of properties for the coalition because we've made a good case. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not excluding partial wins. Uh, a partial win is a is a win. Totally. I you know if a developer who is not partnered with the coalition or whatever the entity is that might you know purchase the property, 
that's not the end of the world at this point. That just means we need to start new negotiations with those folks and figure out, as we have had in the past, how do we have conversations with landowners about access? So if we don't win the bid, it's not over. Uh, We'll keep working on it. But it would be really neat if the coalition could be part of the winning bid, just because that would be a really That'd be a really great opportunity to to close on. Something that occurred to me when you were talking about the beginnings of this project being, you know, a year and a half ago, we are just hearing about it now. And I think this is how the coalition is always working. You guys are always in the background trying to secure climbing, to see what's next. And we tend to... You know, I'm generalizing all of the other climbers with me here, but we tend to react when we hear something. Mm-hmm. And I think there are ways we can continue to make sure that we're we're helping this process along, even when the process is going on in the background and we don't quite know what that is. And I, I think it doesn't all come down to we need mega donors all the time. Um Certainly, we're not all going to have the the privilege to be a mega donor. So we can still be giving back in lots of ways, right? Absolutely. I'm going to start with the real easy stuff on this one because you, you, you raise a great point. But it's just thinking about how to be a responsible visitor on whoever's property you're on. Mm. I mean, that's just a number one. How do you go to a crag or a cliff and what's the appropriate behavior? How do you leave that area as good as it was when you first came uh, or better in some ways? You know, simple example is micro trash, that little corner of the wrapper that somebody missed. Pick it up. Take it with you. Mm -hmm. Be, Be respectful and responsible for your party and the other folks around you. I think we're also at the point where we need to support certain organizations. I think it. Personally, I think every climber in the United States ought to be a member of the Access Fund. They should probably be a member of the American Alpine Club, and they should probably be a member or a donor to whatever they identify their local climbing organization to be. So if 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 the red is your home, Craig, you ought to be a member of the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition. And that's really important. If I use the the coalition as an example, we now have two full-time staff. We're going to need to add a third here in the next year or so. And, you know, I think into sort of the the public radio model, we don't want to pause Mm. climbing so that we beg for money, you know, in the fall during the the primetime climbing season, have our our fund drive. You know, we need to get to a model where everybody says climbing is important to me. Therefore, I'm going to help support this organization so it has enough recurring revenue to support the staff it needs to operate. So, you know, those are the first two two pieces. And there is a monetary aspect to that second piece. I think another piece is just a little bit of grace. Mm. You know, the, these things take time. It can be very easy to look at organizations like the Coalition or the Access Fund and say, what are they really accomplishing? What's what's going on here? We, we eventually have these big wins, but in between, there's a lot of time. And um, so I think there's a little a little grace is needed to recognize that the opportunities and progress that those organizations work on take time and to not jeopardize their success. All this stuff can't be talked about. I'll use the coalition as an example. 
we're working on a recreational easement on another piece of property. Couple that with what we've got going on here with Ashland. There could be some really big stuff that could happen in the next year and a half, two years that would open up a lot of new and existing rock climbing. The challenge with all of that is none of that is set in stone. None of that's done. And until, until it actually happens, um, we risk, we risk it not happening. So, you know, maybe the third part there is a little bit of grace. A fourth piece is some of those opportunities that I just mentioned, the only way that they have gotten to where they were was were climbers being involved. Yeah. So whether you're volunteering with the organization or saying, hey, you know, I, I'm in the local community. I heard about this opportunity. I'm going to bring the coalition in. And that has happened in these opportunities where, where local climbers have made a connection with a landowner or um, somebody else involved in a, in a in a property or area, and brought those brought that connection to the the local climbing organization, the, the the coalition in this example. So I think that's another way that people can help. Yeah, and I'll I'll add to that. Um, you know, getting involved piece is that uh, so many of us have unique skills that we can offer. You know, it's not only lawyers required here mm-hmm. um, or money required here. Um, for for 20 plus years, one of my biggest donations to a lot of different coalitions and, and organizations has been emceeing their big fundraising events for free and trying to get people to open up their wallets and, and give. And I think you're just identifying whatever your skill is, is a really valuable way to go and just offer that up to your local organization or to the access fund or, or whoever it is that that's working in these areas that you value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can be a dirtbag climber and do that. Yeah. The other thing is sometimes it could be hard to find the time to give back. And one of the things that Billy Simic, our executive director recently organized was a, a trail day for locals. Cause a lot of the locals, if, if, when I say locals, I want to be really clear here because I don't want somebody who, who was born and raised in Lee County to get offended by me calling somebody a local because that's not really what I mean by local when I say climbing local. Climbing local in our, in our parlance means somebody who is living in the area for the purpose of having a life that revolves around rock climbing. And, and for, for a lot of those folks, that might mean working at time periods that prevent you from participating in things like trail days. So Billy organized a trail day for, quote, the locals and that's amazing. I love to see folks who normally couldn't make it to a trail day excited to go do a trail day on their own, on their terms and their time. So people are continuing to find ways to, to give back and support. And that's great. Yeah. So right now, just a, let's give folks a, a call to action here. Um, and then I have one last question I have to ask, but okay. what, what can folks do right now to help with this, uh, this Ashland property? Yeah. Connections are number one. If you have connections to folks you think might be interested in supporting this, help make those connections, make an introduction to the coalition. You can send an email to access at rrgcc.org to get that started. That will go to uh, me and the, the, the other members of our access and acquisitions committee. If you feel like you are one of those people who might be interested in supporting this, uh, opportunity financially or as a partner, reach out to the same that same address. And I'm not asking for anybody to to write a check today. This is more about formulating a bid, uh, identifying resources, and coming up with uh, 
a strategy. So this isn't like, hey, send in your money right now. This is if you're willing to make the commitment, let's have a conversation about it and figure out how to to make that that uh, make that work. So I think those are the, the the two immediate needs. Longer term, if we're successful with this, we may need to do some serious fundraising to pay off some loans. So that there might be a, a third call to action later on. And I hope that's hope that's what happens. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll come back as MC for that fundraiser. All right, that'd be good. I'm throwing my hat over the fence here. I've retired from the MC job, but but maybe I'll come back. Um, last question for me because I've walked a lot of Cliffline in the red and surrounding mm-hmm. areas. I've spent a lot of time in those woods. There's a big part of my heart out there. What's out there in this property? I kind of need to know, Jeremy. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, well, there is one portion of the property that abuts the Miller Fork. And this is not going to be a surprise and it's not something that the coalition condones. Climbers get out there and put up routes even when they're not supposed to be out there. So there's existing there's some existing climbing on some of Ashland's property that connects to our our current property. And that is something that we ought to try to secure that aligns with our mission statement of securing existing climbing. There's also some uh, a, a ton of cliff line off of Cave Fork Road. Mm-hmm. So that's the other side of the PMRP. The PMRP is generally local, localized around Bald Rock Fork Road. The other side of that is Cave Fork Road, and there's a lot of cliff line there. And there, there are some existing routes, not condoning their development, but they've happened. Uh, but there's opportunity for a lot of additional climbing there. The opportunity here is a mix of what has happened in the past. It'd be similar to the uh, PMRP purchase because there's some existing climbing. But it would also be similar to Miller Fork because there's opportunity for a lot more. And it's diverse. There are There's the opportunity for fun, easy routes. And there's some next level stuff there too. I have not seen, quote, another mother load. And I think there's a reason the mother load is the mother load. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but there are some, there's the opportunity for some really hard, cool routes that might attract, you know, the the crushers out there. But there's also a lot of opportunity for... Uh, fun, easy climbing. I, I went to a uh, trad clinic, and it, and Shingo was the one mm, who uh, love Shingo. Yeah, he he led that clinic, and one of the things he said during that clinic was, "If you don't like easy climbing, you don't like climbing." And <laughs> that really stuck with me. I was like, "All right, we need we need to back off this. It always has to be about pushing the grades. Sometimes you just want to go out and and have some fun." Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. Shingo is a is is a wise soul there. <laughs> and you know, I think it's worth mentioning here before we wrap this up. You know, I've traveled all over the world to climb, um, certainly all over the U.S. to climb, and opening an area like uh, the Pendergrass Murray or the Miller Fork. I mean, those little satellite areas in the Red River Gorge are as large as some people's entire climbing universe. Mm-hmm. So that that's not a small undertaking. It's not a small uh, it's not a small thing for the community to have. That's a big big win uh, if something like that is is able to be secured for climbing for access to climbing. So uh, I think it's a, a a really amazing thing that you all are doing. I'm glad they have somebody like you 
uh, up there in the in the ranks um, because I, you know, like I said, I was I was a big opponent of this sort of thing back in the day. Shannon Shannon talked to me with patience, and then I think that sort of ethos has sort of continued in not only the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition, but in all the other coalitions I've worked with. There are people there who understand that this is a much bigger undertaking than a lot of us looking in from the outside understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I'm glad you're there. I'm glad the coalition is there, and thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you, you're welcome, and um, I won't be here to to keep keep this flame lit. So, other folks are going to have to step up over up over time, and we'll be looking for you know those next folks sometime soon. Well, Jeremy, man, I appreciate it. I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit and um, we'll get this out there and hopefully we can reach some folks who can help. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. You heard the man. Access at rrgcc.org. You can also find that link right there in your show notes. If you want to... Uh, send Jeremy a message if you have someone else that you can connect with the coalition uh, or if you just have ideas uh, hit them up all right I'm not gonna linger here too many things to do episodes to write for written in stone and there are some changes coming around here probably in the new year but I'll give you updates on that very very soon Until then, you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com where we have training plans, courses, products to help you become a better climber. Learn, grow, excel. (laughs) 